It is another Sunday, bloody Sunday here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. I am Matt Barry on the Matt Barry Show, our Sunday, bloody Sunday version. Cheers. I'm about a quarter way through this one. I need it this week. If you can tell, I sound like a mixture of Larry King and someone who ate a box of cigars. Uh, I've been battling a little bit of cold, a little bit of a cold, uh, the travel, the late nights, all of it probably added to it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we had a remarkable day. A remarkable weekend of college football. <clears throat> Pardon me. And we knew it. We look, we knew it was coming. We saw the schedule. We ID'd this weekend six AP ranked matchups, one shy of a record for a weekend of seven, three of them in the Pac 12. And I want to start in the Pac 12. It's because we know what's happening with the conference. This is the final year of its existence. And it's probably the deepest and best year we've seen in quite some time. And so my first cheers is cheers to the Pac 12 for having a remarkable season. <clears throat> to start but when you look at the depth of the league and that was put on display with Colorado on Saturday and I bring them up because going into the season we didn't expect anything but a little bit of hype from Dion and they have taken the hype and they've gone 10 levels beyond what any of us I think thought was possible now a couple of things can be true about what happened yesterday with Colorado Part one, the start, amazing. No one thought they'd be 3-0. The TCU win, the Nebraska win, the Colorado State win, to start the season 3-0 exceeded everyone's expectations tenfold. That That's true. It can also be true that the hype and where they were ranked and who they were as a team in a program, they are probably overrated. And that's not a slight on Dion. Colorado or anything that they're trying to build. But it was proven yesterday against Colorado that they're or against Oregon rather, they're still not in that realm of a top 25 team. And that's okay. And I think this morning people are piling on saying, see, I told you so. That's not the way to handle it. It's not Dion and Colorado's fault that media companies have glommed onto them like the greatest thing in sports. And I think that's what we're seeing this morning because of all the attention they got. They got more attention than any program in the country. That includes two-time defending champion Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, all of them. They've gotten the most attention in sports. That's not Dion's fault. That's Dion's job. It's Coach Prime's job to get his program the national spotlight. And he did that. Probably to an obnoxious level which is probably why people this morning are saying, hey, see, I told you so, they're not a good team. Well, that's not what we're talking about. Are they a top 25 team? No. Should they be getting the attention they're getting for what they are as a football team? Probably not. But that speaks to the genius of Coach Prime. He's managed to take a team that is probably, if we're being fair this morning, slightly above average. They're probably a 6-6 six and six team. By the metric alone, that's average and so that's who they are now you bring in a coach like him that's getting the attention the sunglasses the watches Shadur sanders the heisman trophy if you can turn that into making people believe you're one of the best programs in the country i've said this since day one he's the most brilliant marketer we've seen in college football history now when it comes to the football they're gonna lose to usc next week they just are and they've got, I think, Arizona, Arizona State, that kind of combination. They're they're looking at six wins. That's 500. That's average with above average attention. So this morning when people are piling on 
It's not necessary. He's doing his job. He's putting his program first. Anybody who knows football has seen it. They're a they're a nice team. They're 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 okay. Um, so cheers to Colorado for the first month of the season for doing something maybe a lot of people didn't think was possible, but keeping your team into the spotlight. Um, but look, six and six, fine. They're gonna go to a bowl game. Most I think their win total was three and a half to start the season. So uh Oregon's the better team, the better program. They showed it. Has nothing to do with Colorado. It's not an indictment on CI told you so. They got a little hyped by the media. That's what the media does. We find something, we latch on to it. It's good for ratings. We create stories, we build stories, and that story still will happen. They're still gonna get attention this week against USC. But end of the day, the team that was on the field. Is the team we thought they were. Travis Hunter's out. I don't know that we made that big of a difference, but the Colorado train will move on. Uh, another game that I want to talk to you. Four points I kind of want to get to today. One was Colorado. Two is Ohio State, Notre Dame. Uh, that lived up to every bit of the hype. Uh, Ryan Day post game going off on Lou Holtz, I thought was incredible just for the simple fact that coaches will tell you all the time that they don't listen to the outside noise, but they clearly do. And what Lou Holt said about uh, Ohio State being out physical in their losses, you're basically calling a team soft. That clearly got under Ryan Day's skin. Um, but the, the cheers this morning is to Marvin Harrison Jr., who rolled up an ankle on a Travion Henderson touchdown run, and it looked bad. I mean, it looked really bad. And for him to gut it out, go on the sidelines, tape up the ankle, try to figure it out and get back in the game. For him to do that in this day and age and to get back out on the field and help his team to a victory, I think it's one of the more underrated stories from Saturday because we saw his teammate a year ago. And I'm not saying Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't really hurt or the hamstring wasn't really bothered. He tried to give it a go last year. It just didn't happen. He thought at the end of the, at the, end of the day it was probably – safest to not play and protect his NFL future. That's his decision. He got drafted high in the first round of the Seattle Seahawks. It's worked out for him. And we were sitting in studio yesterday, myself, Dan Mullen and uh, Joey Galloway, an Ohio state alum and Ohio state all-time great. And we thought that when we saw the ankle roll, that perhaps that'd be the last we see of Marvin Harrison jr. He's going to be a top five pick. He's the best receiver in college football who would blame him. And to see him come back out there and continue to play at a high level and then Ohio State pull that off, you cheer for a kid like that uh, who clearly showed yesterday what the Notre Dame game and what this season means to him. And Kyle McCord, look, you're replacing Justin Fields, top 10 pick. You're replacing C.J. Stroud, top 10 pick. All you have to do is go on with an NFL receiving corner, an NFL running back, and not screw it up. He brought them down, big plays, end of the game. The one, I believe it was third and 19, Emeka Buka down. They had to get up, clock it, then chip train them. Got the game-winning touchdown. I mean, just a remarkable comeback for Ohio State on the road to narrowly get that win. Now, conversely, with Marcus Freeman, it is not a good look that they only had 10 guys on the field twice during the game-winning drive for Ohio State. And... They had the game. They had it. Sam Hartman did what he came to Notre Dame to do. And at the end of the day, Ohio State was too much. And the way that this works, and I think Marcus is a phenomenal coach. He's a phenomenal recruiter. 
He's got Notre Dame maintaining their level of football. It's just not a good look. I mean, 10 guys on the field is going to cause some problems within the Notre Dame chatter. But what a hell of a game for Ohio State to pull that off. Notre Dame's not out of it. They still have USC in their schedule. They've got Duke this week, who's hosting college game day for the first time. I mean, those are two games right there that if you go 11 and one, you're not in a conference championship game. You don't get to play a conference championship. But if you have that schedule, which Notre Dame does, and you keep winning, it's not all lost yet. Because Ohio State starts to go through a Big Ten gauntlet that includes Penn State, who looks really, really good. That includes Michigan, who's ranked second in the country. So we'll see. But cheers to the Buckeyes. And uh, cheers to Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I thought, what a courageous effort for him. Again, in this day and age in college football, who would have blamed him if he sat out the rest of the game? He was right back out there and uh, loved to see it out of him. So you've got the the three ranked matchups in the Pac-12. Colorado going down a little bit. Uh, Ohio State, they get their marquee win. Point three, cheers to Florida State. You snapped a seven-game losing streak to Clemson. You did so in overtime. Valiant effort by the Tigers, who I think a lot of people, they weren't out on them after Duke. They just weren't buying in, and I was one of them. Dabo's recruited at a high level. No one's arguing that. Uh, But in this day and age in the transfer portal, you can't sit back and say, well, I'm I'm not all in on the portal. I'm not all in on NIL. Well, the team they played, Florida State, Keon Coleman, the guy that essentially won them the game, he's a portal guy for Michigan State. And you can't always just sit back and not adapt to the way college football is headed. And Dabble's been slow to adapt. And I thought going into the game yesterday, you were going to see that difference. You were going to see a team in Florida State. They've got uh, Johnny Wilson transfer from Arizona State. Keon Coleman transfer from Michigan State. Uh, the, the pocket knife kid that always forgets. Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. They have these guys that came in via the portal to help build that program. And Clemson played their asses off. I mean, they're still Clemson. They still have five stars. But at the end of the day, you saw a team in Florida State and Mike Norvell who bought into the portal, who bought into this is where college football is. If I can plug this guy, this guy, and this guy to my roster and supplement who we are, we can win big-time football games. And I think yesterday, Clemson's won this thing forever. The last time, I believe, Florida State beat Clemson 2014. I'm tired. My math could be off. And that was also the last time Florida State won the ACC. I think yesterday, changing of the guard in the ACC. I think Florida State has now elevated themselves to the top of the league. And I think they're going to go all the way to the point where you might see a rematch. Probably not because Clemson's already got two losses in the ACC. But I think the changing of the guard has happened. And Florida State's the toast of the ACC. Miami looks really good. That's going to be a good game. North Carolina looks really good. And so with Clemson, shockingly, before October, already two conference losses, likely out of the picture in the ACC, Florida State could be back to where we're accustomed to seeing them back in the Bobby Bowden days. And my final cheers of the day goes to Jalen Milrow in Alabama. Look, he was benched last week against South Florida. Nick Saban says it was because he wanted to get the other quarterbacks look because he promised him he would. I think there was a little more to it. But to step in against Ole Miss, who had been playing really good football up to that point, and handle your business at home while not having your best day, 
Alabama's not done. For anyone who thinks there are issues, there are offensive line issues. I get it. But they still play defense and they can still run the ball. And they took care of a highly potent offense and Ole Miss at home yesterday. I'm just telling you, when you look at the SEC West, Alabama in it. LSU might be the best team in the SEC West right now. And if Texas A&M sticks with Max Johnson as their quarterback, you can't count out Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies yet. Their only loss was out of conference to Miami. And so what we saw from Jalen Milrow in Alabama, what we've seen from Texas A&M with Max Johnson, and what we've seen from LSU, buckle up. Is Alabama, no one wrote them off. No one's not saying that there's is a very unique looking Alabama team relative to the dominance we've seen before. But with everything going on, that SEC East, as we turn the corner from September to October, and if they find a package for Jalen Milrow to make this offense work, we are in store for a hell of a conference season in the SEC. So what a Saturday it was. The ranked matchups, some of the upsets, some of the great performances. It is all a part of a Sunday Bloody Sunday here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Hopefully you have your bloody or beer, whatever concoction you uh, want to enjoy on a Sunday. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you for watching. We'll be back next week here on Sunday Bloody Sunday on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.